0: This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome into the Triple Option. This is a new thing we are doing here on 365 Sports, where I'm going to do an hour, and then we're going to take an hour off, and we'll go back to the main show, which I will still be a part of. I'm Paul Catalina, alongside my co-host of the day, Chris Allman. You'll see Chris a little bit here and there, rotating through. We're gonna have rotating guest hosts, same college football talk, maybe a little bit different format, a lot different format. As you can see, we're over here, which makes it different. It's the big change. Then over there, which you can't see on camera, but that's where the desk is. So thank you, Jack. The
1: analysis is over there.
0: Yes. The fun is over here. Over here in this area is different than over there. So you can, think of that when you see this show uh, each and every day monday through thursday 1 to 2 p.m on fridays we're gonna do something of the different, different kind of combine everything um for the main show because i have to do with smoking craig out doing high school football i've got to do the lion's share fridays solo so yeah
1: you and garrett were really good by the way on friday oh thank you you
0: guys appreciate really that good. so uh chris college football week zero happened this week we're going to talk about realignment we're going to look ahead to you know kind of the season like who are the teams that could win national championships. We're going to talk realignment and that kind of zoo. We're also going to, in the third segment, give a very honest review of Swamp Kings. Uh, very honest. A very honest review of it. Um, and uh, we'll also get to know Chris a little bit. which that. And we're going to do this with all of our guest hosts. Maybe even more often than just one time. Can you see the viewership decrease in real time?
1: Like when you do the get to know you, Chris segment, will Jack be able to see... Yeah, I mean, you can. Out? You can absolutely.
0: Okay. Excellent. No, but Just I, don't
1: tell me what the numbers are. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm okay. not going to tell you the odds. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you the odds. Okay. okay. So, Chris, uh, let's start out. USC Notre Dame uh, both played this weekend. They're both teams that people think are going to contend for the college football playoff, particularly USC. Uh, Caleb Williams was fantastic in his debut. Uh, we're going to hear a lot about Zachariah Branch for the next three years. He's a true freshman. They returned to kick for a touchdown, caught a touchdown pass. I think he. He ran the ball a couple times. But USC's defense, they have, Chris, what I like to call a Care Bear defense. Okay. Where um, all they do is kind of stare at you and give you self-esteem. If you don't know, Jack, Jack's our producer. Jack, are you familiar with the Care Bears a little bit? The Care Bears, for those who don't know. Sure, I was remember. A, was a cartoon in the 80s when Chris and I grew up. Uh, and it was these little bears. And all of them had like a different yeah. emblem sure. on their belly. And when they wanted to make someone feel better, they would all get up in the line and they would say Care Bear stare, and then just emotions yeah. would f- beam out. That was their superpower. Yeah. And they would beam out, and then everything would be better. Um, it was in the era, the first, maybe the first part of um, maybe let's let kids grow up with some self esteem. Sure. Yeah. That's when we started coddling <laughs> a, kids. It was yeah. About Care Bear time. Yeah. So uh, as opposed to like, you know, maybe you need to get a job in a factory. Yeah. <laughs> You're seven, what have you been doing (laughs) with your life? Uh, So you're saying the SC defense has a bit of a Care Bear vibe to it. A bit of Care Bear vibe to it, which it's not the dudes. If you go by recruiting rankings, it's maybe the system, which Lincoln Riley, this is not a, a new problem for him. It's not having a good defense. He didn't have good defenses at Oklahoma, cost him chances to win the national title there. So far one year in at USC, the only problem they seemed to have was stopping people. Right. And while they rolled past San Jose State, they did that on the backs of a fantastic offense, a very long kick return, uh, and not really their defense. The, you know, if you're a Lincoln Riley, you're looking at this. Do you start to get nervous week zero, or do you, you know, wait and see? Because he's been riding with Alex Grinch for a few years now.
1: Yeah, you tell me. Is is there anything in Lincoln Riley's past that says he needs to go out and have a lockdown defense? I mean, I don't think if it is a uh, if it's a personality contest to try to get votes, if they're going to go score fifty six points, that looks good on TV. So you tell me, does he have to actually go and make a change? Do you does he need a lockdown defense to go beat Utah and win the Pac twelve, or can he win the Pac twelve and get into that playoff with this really kind of?
0: glamorous offense. Well, and look, we only know one year of he's only going to have two years of Pac-12 evidence That's true. last year and yeah. this year. And then the pac 12's over, but uh, not just for USC, but for the, the world. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think the proof in the pudding though, with Alex Grinch and him from Oklahoma on yeah. because when in the conference Lincoln Riley did that at Oklahoma, he didn't do it last year, but Utah did because Utah is tough people are going to see. They play Florida. They play with, even without, with or without Cam Rising, they're going to play really tough. And that's how they beat USC when they beat them last year was out-toughing them. Because, right. you know, that in those moments, I think that's where USC falters is that when you have to be just tough. Right. Just absolutely nails tough. There were tough OU teams defensively. Yeah. yeah. But,
1: I don't know if, I don't know if there's any reason to push the, I think you use the word panic. I don't think there's any type of panic. I think, after week zero, you were one of the very few big games being played. So the spotlight's on you. So your mistakes and your deficiencies are going to be really, really glaring. So panic button, probably not. He knows who they are. He knows where they need to get better. He's not going to make a change in week three. So I think he's going to ride Caleb Williams as long as he can and hope that defense does enough. That seems to be the formula that's going to work for them.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I just think it's one of those things that they have to they're, – they're, the Pac-12 – and this is the saddest thing about this upcoming season: is that the Pac-12 may be as good as it was ever going to be yeah. this year, and entertaining with USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, Wazoo, Oregon State, all going to be good. Utah going to yeah. be good. I, uh, I don't know if Colorado is going to be good, but they're certainly interesting. Sure, you'll watch them. Like Dion Sanders is their yeah. coach, and here is the this is their last year. Right. So um, everybody, like even Arizona, Arizona, Arizona State. We'll talk about that in a second. Arizona State imposed a bowl ban here year one, self-imposed bowl ban. Their seniors are furious. I would imagine. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're like, why didn't you just ride this out? But they're trying to get ahead of the NCAA. Sure. Um, But Arizona State's interesting with with Kenny Dillingham. Arizona's getting better. So outside of Cal and Stanford, who are kind of stuck in neutral, Stanford's got a new coach. Like it's going to be a great year and it's the last one. I think it's... The Pac-12
1: is like, if the if realignment is painful, like for someone like me who's a little bit old school, I'm 45 years old, I remember the Southwest Conference. Mm-hmm. If realignment is painful in general, I think the Pac-12 is the acute pain, yeah. Like you like you talked about. Like, man, this is a really good conference. Has been historically, had some stretches where it wasn't great historically, but this last year, like you talked about, almost top to bottom, like I've heard you talk about Oregon State. I know you're a big fan of what's going on there. Mm-hmm. So that's the... One of the painful things about this, this really acute, like under a microscope, this Pac-12 situation stings for college football
0: fans. It does. It's And, and look, you could have been on either side of that fence of like, man, I, I hope that these teams join the conference that I like or not. But just as a football fan in general, from the 30,000 foot view, like this is a good group of teams under the microscope of 2023. Yeah. Like, outside of that, like, and then it's just going to be over. Like, you don't, we don't get to see any of these teams build on it. In yeah. that conference, right? They're gonna have to try to build on whatever momentum they gained this year going into a new one, which even in like Texas, if Texas wins the Big 12 this year, that's great momentum for them going to the SEC. Yeah, but it's still a completely different thing they're about to do. Yeah. So can you even count it? Yeah. I mean it, you can count it, but like can you even think of it the same way as you would have, you won conference A title in 2023 and you're gonna try to repeat it in 2024? Well, if say USC and Texas when these two conferences, yeah, then no, you're going to go. It's a different thing in in 2024 altogether. Yeah, I think it's
1: there's going to be a very small window this whole year where we're even really allowed to talk about football. And right, it's week zero. We're coming off a preseason where there was major realignment news. This is what we're talking about. We're not yet really talking about what's on the field, but there's going to be a very small window in there where we can actually talk about how good teams are Mm -hmm. instead of where they're leaving or where they're going. And Mm -hmm. I think, again, the Pac-12 is going to fall victim to that. We're going to have this really excellent football between the lines, but all we're going to be thinking about is, oh, man, this, this lingering thing of, like, this is the last time we're going to see this particular game or this particular rivalry game, and then, oh, I can't wait till SC and you know Michigan is a conference game, and so again, I represent the thirty thousand foot view college football fan. Yeah. It
0: sucks for all of us. Yeah, and it's look, and we're all like nobody's gonna stop watching. We're all gonna, right. we're all gonna do it. Yeah. you know, um, there's people will say like I don't watch this anymore because of this minor little issue. Sure, but you eventually, especially if your team all of a sudden gets good, you're like, well, I forgot, but that was years
1: yeah.
0: ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember once you know, they kick
1: it off in yeah. week one. I mean, again, we're already talking about football. We're trying to decide if Alex Gritch should still have a job. So we're slowly moving into the things we talk about
0: during college football season. Yeah. Okay. Now to the other, the big team that was in there, Notre Dame, the big story, Sam Hartman transfers in from Wake Forest. I am, and if you've watched this at all, a huge Sam Hartman guy. Okay. Uh, Because I watched him dismantle my beloved (laughs) Knowles. And even in games that were close, I was just like, just don't give him the ball in the fourth. Like, can you find a way to like, speed up time. Yeah. <laughs> so that he doesn't get the ball in the fourth quarter. Because even when he doesn't score, here's the thing that Notre Dame fans are gonna like about Sam Hartman that they don't even know they're gonna like. Because what you what you want in your head is 30 touchdown passes and right. you know, all these big plays. And he's gonna make some of those. What you're gonna appreciate about him and then you're gonna like put it on the quarterbacks after him is that, hey, with three and a half minutes left, when he needed to get one first down so that they could at worst, give the other team the ball back with 40 seconds left. He gets it. Sure, yeah. He gets that first down. Yeah. Like, that's, those are the little things that he does. Like, yeah. oh, hey, at the end of the half, like, just runs the clock out. Like, right. they're not going to score, but now you're not going to let this, like, say Clemson's offense get back on the right. field and have a four-play drive that takes nine seconds right. and score a touchdown that's flipped the game. Yeah. He just gets the first down, and then Dabo goes in the locker room angry. Like, yeah. he's the quarterback who makes you do that. Yeah, he's, he's not Caleb Williams, but he's so efficient it hurts.
1: Yeah, he's got – I can't think of a better word for it than gravitas. Like, he's yeah. just got a gravitas about him. Mm-hmm. You could call it football IQ. You could call it awareness. But, yeah, he's got that thing that where, where you're in that situation, you're kind of like, okay, Sam's got us, like you're talking yeah. about. He's not going to do something. He may not be super electric, though he probably could be, but he's absolutely not – he's going to play smart, play well – and get us a win.
0: Yeah, and I think you saw that if you watch Notre Dame and Navy. You now look, Navy is this is not the best Navy team. Ryan Newberry, their new coach, like again, not the best Navy team you're going to see. When are we going to do that? So that I best Navy teams. Oh, we could. <laughs> we could. Roger, look, Roger Staubach. Yeah. We have to go back. I mean, always. we got to talk about Roger yeah. Staubach. We got Keenan Reynolds. Okay. You're I, right. I interviewed him at a Super Bowl once, and immediately was like, "What what company are you going to find?" When you get out of no yeah. service, I would like to work yeah. for you. Like you are... Yeah. What, like, I don't even want to company. say like work for me. I'm like, I would like you to be my boss. Sure, yeah. You can... I'm not... I don't have the leadership capacity that you do, Keenan. <laughs> I would like you to be my boss.
1: You grasp the triple option. I'll go work for you. Yeah, exactly.
0: Again, okay. there we go. There we go. <laughs> we should have a bell. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, no. If we're saying triple no. option a lot outside of referencing the show, no. something's wrong.
0: No, but um, there are... Um, but there are things to take away from that game. Notre Dame ran it very efficiently. Sam Hartman was very efficient. They ran the ball really well. Um, and I, wa- I, mean, like, I remember watching the first quarter, and Notre Dame, I think, took the first drive eight minutes, which is totally Navy's game. It's totally what they do. Yeah. And then so if you can take Navy and beat them at their game for a little bit, Yeah. and then – and then you can get over the top on them. Then you really put them behind the A ball. That was just a very efficient game, the way it should have played out. Yeah. Notre Dame needs a lot of those this year because their schedule's going to get harder before it gets easy. Well, I say that. They play Tennessee Tech this week. But it's going to get harder down the line where being able to do both those things and be super efficient is going to help them because while Sam Hartman is, a, I believe, a super senior or fifth-year senior, sure, yeah. he has true freshmen at the skill positions all around him yeah. and people taking over. But I came away impressed that – Notre Dame went out. Marcus Freeman did exactly what you're supposed to do to Navy. 1-0 in Dublin. Now they're coming back to play Tennessee Tech, which maybe whenever whatever that is. So um, so they, they were efficient and did everything they needed to do.
1: Was the – so you mentioned freshman at the skill position. Jaden Greathouse from Westlake had a couple yeah. of touchdowns. Yes. That kid just goes places and wins. He's mm-hmm. just good everywhere he is. Last year at this time, Notre Dame started 0-2 last year. Yeah. Was the bloom off the rose of, for Marcus Freeman at all, or did he get – a grace period because I, it seems to be back I, right I don't think
0: I don't think he uh I don't think he got a grace period at because all. it was a lot of well Brian Kelly yeah you know would have never done this yeah. which actually he had his times that people sure. forget he had his rough times at Notre yeah. Dame and the kind of beauty of what Brian Kelly did there outside of apparently pissing Joe Montana off <laughs> which we found out about this weekend <laughs> okay tell me <laughs> but, more yeah but outside of that was he actually did reinvent what he was doing yeah and had he not done that, he would not have been at Notre Dame anymore, and he wouldn't be at LSU right now. Yeah. But he, he, uh, he reinvented what he was doing and said, yeah. okay, we're gonna do it this way. And so all of a sudden, Notre Dame fans forgot about all those struggles they had, and then went through and they were, you know, yeah. The, the, but so Marcus Freeman probably got a, oh, you guys lost to Marshall, you lost, you know, you lost this one. Yeah. And then I think by the end of the year when they stabilized at quarterback a little bit. Yeah. Even though they they lost Tyler Buckner, like once they kind of stabilized and and went through it, people were kind of back on because he's so energetic and young and he's the he is the like when you look at the coach of the next 20 years, the coaches of that. Yeah. Marcus Freeman's the avatar for that. Like coaches are going to have to be like him and understand things that he gets that maybe the old school guys don't anymore.
1: Yeah. Freeman is the reason I, I drink the Kool-Aid on him a little bit, being obviously not fluent in Notre Dame football. Yeah. Right? I don't know all the ins and outs. But Freeman is. He's dynamic. He's clearly a good coach. Like, he's a good X's and O's guy. Sometimes guys like him get pegged as culture guys or, you know, energy guys. But hes he's good across the board. And so... I think them going out and beating Navy like that doesn't do anything but affirm, like I mean, this is the right guy for this job. And you're right; they're going to be they're going to be good this year, and it could be for the next two decades.
0: Yeah, but like the and like I said, I think of the coaches, the young like Lincoln Riley, avatar of the coach of the coach of the future. Yeah, Marcus Freeman, the guys who have the grasp, but Mike Norvell, um, yeah, really, really does. Yeah. Uh, Kirby Smart, really does. You yeah, know, they have their handle on. Everything that is presented towards the modern college athlete, that they can kind of answer all those questions. Yeah. uh, Because it's, you know, I mean, it might be Dion, really, honestly. Yeah, I
1: was actually going to ask that. Is there some – I mean, is there somebody who's not making those adjustments? Well, I think there are coaches that
0: are doing it kind of against their will, but they're riding the wave, like – Mike like, Gundy, Dana Holgerson. Would you say Saban? Is Saban in that class or is he? No, I think, look, Saban Sabin ri- will ride the wave out until he's retired. Sure, he has yeah. nothing else to prove to anyone, yeah. but maybe himself. Like, honestly, yeah. this is right at this point. It's like just for you being satisfied with your career yeah. and being able to put a bow on it yeah. because he can do whatever he wants. He's adjusted well. Now, he's fought some things because he didn't want them, but when they make the rules, the thing I've always thought about this brilliant about Saban is like, okay, you guys know that like I can do this too, right? Yeah. So you're giving me like we all have this power. Yeah. But I in particular do. So you're going to give it to me here where I have everything at my disposal and expect me not to win a lot. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, he's kind of like you guys are making this easier for me. Yeah. <laughs> and he he's always been very I think clever about the way he puts those things and Yeah, and still is, I think again in light of what Kirby Smart's done the last couple of years, it
1: Probably if you don't really think about it, you think, oh man, maybe he's regressing, maybe he's not changing with the times. When the reality is he probably is, it's just that Kirby Smart again is that Avatar.
0: When well, he's younger and he knows everything that Saban does because they work together sure, for so yeah. long. So he's yeah. he's taken this and then built upon it yeah. to where he like they might be moving at almost similar speeds, but but Kirby Smart is right out there in yeah. front because he's he's younger and faster. Yeah. Now like Dabo Sweeney, I don't think has as much patience for the new era. Mike I Gundy, right. Dana Holgerson, heck, we had Chris Pesman from Houston on. And he even like made a joke about like when Dana gets tired of NIL and the transfer portal, am I going to have to hire a new coach anyway? Sure, yeah. Um, but I mean, and it was a joke, but I mean, there, there is something to that yeah. where Dana's is a little old school and right. that's fine. But like, if you don't want to do it, the good news for coaches is not like they have to stay in it because right. they're making $50,000 a year and, Need to make ends meet. Sure, yeah. And, like, unless you've just blown yeah, yeah, yeah. all your money on candy, like you know, <laughs> there's please, a golden parachute waiting for you for th- sure. You're you're fine. Yeah. So you can you can Dabo Sweeney could leave tomorrow. Mike Gundy could leave tomorrow if they're just overwhelmed with the state of modern college football, which is overwhelming to a lot of people. Well, yeah. If they just want to go, then they're fine. Yeah. So I, I think that's a good part about it. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna take a break right here and we come back. We're gonna talk about expectations for the season. Who are some teams that Chris likes? I like for the national title plus we're gonna to get to know Chris a little bit. Oh. We're, going to, we're probably gonna do that first. We're okay. gonna to get to know Chris so people know you, and not just on a, I'm Chris, I've been in sports broadcasting, I sell mortgages, things like that. Not those, not those things. Okay. Like those are- Life or death, you're gonna ask me life or death I'm, I'm gonna ask you some, some pretty, pretty severe, some important questions okay. that you have to answer. Some of them are college football and some of them are not. So we're gonna play college football, not college football with okay. you. Okay, excellent. That's coming up next. This is the triple option on 365 Sports. If your business is like most,
2: you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more.
0: Fast just got faster. Welcome back to the Triple Option. I'm Paul Catalina, alongside today's co-host, Chris Allman. We're gonna do this with all of our co-hosts, maybe anybody who comes on the show for longer than one segment. This is college football or not college football. Okay. Where we ask you, I'm going to ask you college football questions so people can kind of get where your your college football heart is. Okay. And we're going to do this also when we get to basketball season because Chris is a huge basketball guy. I like basketball. Yes. I like baseball. What was your, this is not one of the questions. Okay. Last year, high school basketball points per game uh high school yes uh
1: probably eight eight points per But game? my last year of college was more okay but it was a small it was a small college and mm-hmm. it was a junior varsity team
0: okay so i last year of organized basketball points per game was oh probably 21 or
1: 22 22 points per game yes okay good deal yes. where was that that was at the university of mary hard and baylor okay in
0: 1998 U- umhb jv 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 team yes we had a junior varsity
1: for- basketball team we
0: okay. were very good
1: there we go. I'm happy to take you through the schedule. If <laughs> like. The Southwestern Adventist game when I had 28 points. If anybody would like to go play-by-play,
0: play, I'm happy to take you through that. What kind but of defense was Southwestern running? Not much of one. <laughs> <laughs> I scored 28
1: points. Yeah. Okay. So it was a sieve. Yeah. If that's what it was. Were
0: you raining threes or were you? What was what was it like? I can't believe you're letting me talk about the 1998 I, I, UMHB no, no. JV
1: basketball team. I do. I so, like. Okay, so I played for Richard Herbst and David Norris at University of Maryland and Baylor mm-hmm. in the late '90s, and it was a little bit ahead of its time. So we yeah. were up tempo. So yeah. I played on a team that averaged about 105 points a game. Okay. So we were get it out of the net and go. Mm-hmm. So I scored a lot of layups because um, mm-hmm. I was a two guard, and then there's a lot not quite as much three point shooting in the late '90s. Um, a lot of mid range jumpers. It was kind of it was kind of
0: was kind of like showboaty back then. Oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: For sure. My shorts went down just a hair below
0: my knee. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's really a different time back then.
0: I would, I think we all do. Here's the thing, an issue that I would like to put out to the world. I think we all need to get together on what appropriate short shorts links are for different parts of shorts. Yeah.
1: I actually have a strong opinion on this. So when you're ready to put that round table together, I do. I think we
0: need to like get together on like, what's, what's a basketball short. What's a swim trunk. Yeah. What is just your usual casual short? Okay. You know, those kind of things. Like what is the length that we can all agree on? That'll be your noon to one show, Short. <laughs> yeah. the short show. Yeah. <laughs> all that. Okay. So here we go. Okay. Tailor-made for you, Chris. Okay. These are tailor-made for you. Okay. Okay. A college football venue you would most like to experience that you uh, have not. That I have not. Probably
1: from all I've ever been told something in the SEC, probably Ole Miss. Okay. Maybe as much for the venue. Heading
0: Garrett's, out to the Grove? Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: I don't know. Death Valley? Is that better, Garrett? Does that yeah. make you feel better? <laughs> you yeah. And then, I mean, I guess the Rose Bowl. Okay. I think it'd be pretty incredible to go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Um, but are you, are you a parade guy? No, heavens okay. no. Good. Don't, okay, don't like to be in them. Don't like
0: to go to them. Don't watch them on TV. You, you, don't, you know my feelings on parades. No, but they're do well, tell. They're well known throughout the world. They are decorated traffic. And that's all that they are. They are decorated traffic. That's and a great point. There are for children and only children, unless you're in New Orleans, and then that's a whole different thing yeah, altogether. They're not for children and absolutely
1: no children. Yes. Yeah.
0: But no, there are no. There's no reason like, you know, Norm McDonald has a great bit about it, which, had. Had. yeah, had yes. <laughs> he's he's everlasting to me, but yes, uh, Norm's bit was about a different kind of parade, which I won't get into <laughs> okay. on on this show. But he said that. You know, when he was a kid, they like the when the moon after the moon landing, they had a ticker tape parade down Fifth Avenue, in New York City, which that's a pretty big deal. Sure, yeah. M- moon,
1: yeah.
0: Halloween is not to me a parade thing. Like I agree. This event, like it's just to me, that's how I feel about it. I'm so glad to know. Yeah. And I've been very against. Like the only thing I don't like about the Rose Bowl is that their stupid parade has dictated many college football decisions over way too long, until just recently when the playoff. A bunch of people got in the room and said, listen, we don't care about your parade. Yeah. It was time. It was time yeah. someone told them that. Yeah.
1: I would like to just be dropped into the Rose Bowl. I don't want to travel out there. I don't want to deal with the mess around it. I want to be dropped in the Rose Bowl to watch Texas and SC in 2006, and then I'd like to be taken back out.
0: <laughs> like, like a mission impossible type thing. Yes, thing. Exactly like drop Ethan you right Hunt. in. Put me
1: on some strings. <laughs> right lower in. me in. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And then,
0: and then like the dark night where you like throw up the buoy and like the plane just grabs you. <laughs> yes. On the way out. Yes. Yeah. That'd Precisely, be we're on the same page. All right. Chris is a huge Houston Astros fan. Yes, I am. Okay. No apologies. I've, I've actually made a different, an amendment to this question. Okay, yeah. Because it'll make you have to make a choice.
1: Okay, because you, yeah, you ran this one by me and I think I answered it too quick.
0: Yeah, okay. You are a firefighter, the okay. last one who can go into the building before it's gonna tumble down. Okay. There are two rooms with people in them okay. that you have to save. Okay. Or you can save. Okay. But you're only really probably going to have time to save one. All right. So I'm going to let someone burn. You're probably, okay. gonna, somebody's going to go. Okay. In one room is Craig Biggio. Okay. In the other room is the entire cast of the Ocean's Eleven movies. All the movies. Okay. But that includes even the Ocean's Eight with Anne Hathaway. Okay. George Clooney, Julia Roberts, Elliot Gould. Don Cheadle. Poor Don Cheadle. Yeah. Matt Damon. And Jose Altuve is in there with him. Because he went across the hall to check on them. Okay. So, Jose Altuve and the cast of all the Ocean's movies, which is like 50 people. Sure, yeah. Or Craig Biggio by himself, who was your childhood favorite player. Yeah, I'm saving Jose Altuve. You're saving Jose Altuve. Yes. No disrespect to Yeah.
1: but one of those guys brought two World Series to Houston. I love 3,000 hits. I love all the times Biggio got hit in his bionic elbow Mm -hmm. and the Major League record, he said. But Jose Altuve is unequivocally the greatest athlete in Houston history. I'm going to save that man. The Ocean's Eleven movies are fun.
0: Over Hakeem, he's over Hakeem. Yes. Okay. Yes, he is. Okay. Yes. So, like, it's a benefit to George Clooney that he went, that he was in the room with Jose Altuve. Yes. So, let me ask you that question reversed. Jose goes in to check on Craig, and Craig goes, "Hey, I'd like to check on Brad Pitt," and he was like, "Okay, you stay. I'll stay here," and you go. Paul, I'm saving Jose Altuve. Okay.
1: Any so whatever scenario room, you can craft that doesn't include my wife or children. Yeah. I'm
0: saving Jose Altuve. Okay. I understand that because if you ask me that same question about David Ortiz. Sure. That's what I'm going to do. I think. And David Ortiz came close to death. And true. I And I had the thought, Does if he, need he needs an anything, I will get tested.
1: I feel like <laughs> Jose Altuve is not a big guy. I could maybe yeah. save a couple of them at one time. Yeah. maybe <laughs> yeah. pick up two of them.
0: Yeah. So. All right. What team that has not won a college football national title in the modern era? So, you know, Texas A&M fits this bill. Okay. I know you're not going to say them because I've known you for a while. Yeah. But uh, what team that has not won a college football title in the modern era, let's just say the 70s on, Okay, um, that you would like to see win a title?
1: My beloved wife and all of my in-laws are going to want me to say the Baylor Bears, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to say the Baylor Bears. I'm going to say the Houston Cougars. Okay. Because my father is a graduate of the University of Mm -hmm. Houston who was there at several Cotton Bowl games in the 70s, -hmm. uh, including one where they tanked against Joe Montana and Notre Dame. And then as a kid, uh, Andre Ware was my favorite player growing up. And then... I believe they were on probation from 1990 to about 2014. So, <laughs> it felt like that. Yeah. Felt like some some lean years there. So I'm gonna say University of Houston. Okay, good
0: deal. And look, with now with coming into a, a power conference, they have the ability to build and maybe do that. Yeah. yeah. So and I'd like for them
1: to do it in the Astrodome,
0: if it would, possible. yeah, it would be nice. I don't, I don't know if that's do that. possible. But I'd like for to do that. I don't think they could do that. look I know that the, the title game's going to Houston. So yeah. um, at the Astrodome? No. Okay. Dang. Near it. Near it. it be very near it. We're real close. We're real close. People can park at the Astrodome and walk over, yeah. but very near it, okay. What is the most embarrassing thing on your iPod, slash Spotify, whatever you use to listen to music? That you would, if I picked it up and said, hey, I'm gonna hook in some music, can I use yours? And you'd say yes, but you would maybe go, oh, I hope he doesn't.
1: Okay, I, I'm not embarrassed by anything that's on, but okay. I'll, I'll play radio here. Okay, yeah. I have a, uh, I have a like a pop playlist. Mm-hmm. That was I very specifically sought out some Jessica Simpson songs that I wanted to put on there and a couple of Mandy Moore songs. So I'm not ashamed of it, but I'll yeah. play along and say yes. I'm okay. very embarrassed by my pop okay. playlist.
0: Maybe not am embarrassed, but you would have to explain that out. Like they just someone did. they did somebody would be like, why is that's that's weird.
1: Yeah, if I were in this setting, it would be that. If yeah. I were with my church friends, it would be my probably my Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre playlist, right? I <laughs> yeah. have to explain, there was a time in my life where this is what I listened to, you know, before I went and lit it up
0: on the UMHB JV. That's what I used to get hyped, so. <laughs> 28, points 28 points came right after listening to Murder Was the Case of the that's game. That's exactly what I was about to say. I was about to make the exact same joke.
1: God, this is yeah. chemistry right here. Yeah,
0: that's right, okay. Which college football program would you be comfortable with going 0-12 every year?
1: Texas A&M I just and this is like I have family that are Aggies. Yeah. But they are old Aggies. Yeah. Modern Aggie needs some O and 12s. They just <laughs> need some O and 12s. They're Texas A&M. I just they need it. It's for their good.
0: Now let me let me ask you this. Would it be worth it for them to win a national title just so that that question is answered and then the O and 12s could happen? Uh, so they finally can achieve being like there for football wise and maybe athletic department wise. Nobody's pumping more money into there sure. and getting less results out of sure, yeah. the major program. The return
1: on investment is zero. The, it's minimal.
0: Look, track has won a national title, Gary Blair won one, women's basketball, but football since right. 1939. Baseball seemingly is really close a lot of the time. Basketball could be way better than it is. Yeah. And they're they're always riding a wave. Yeah. But if they just won one football title and then went to the 0 and 12s, it would be worth it, so they would at least know that they could, as opposed to this perpetual what are we missing? Like, what's the missing ingredient? Conversation that goes around. Yeah, him. no,
1: for me, I think I'd like for them to just go straight to the O and twelve, because I think, as an Astros fan, I think people want to like scoreboard me about the sign stealing thing yeah. and how we're cheaters, and I don't care. We want a World Championship.
0: Like I don't. You can call me whatever you want. Well, look, they won the second one. Yeah, after really all know. that, so that like. So.
1: No, I just think modern. More or less day, the same team. No, modern day Aggie. If they get their natty, that's all they're going to point at. They're not going to care about the O and twelves. So I need the O and twelves to hurt.
0: Um, does that make sense? Is that yeah. fair? Look, okay. I think... Honestly, I think it would have done Texas some good. Well, they would be on number two on my list. Yeah. They would... Have, like, I don't... I just think it would... I think their fans are maybe there now when they realize that they're about to go to a new conference. Yeah. And they haven't won the old one in almost 15 years. Been a long time. So, they, they're they like, okay, there's been enough coaches between Mack Brown and now that yeah. maybe you just get to walk into Austin and win. Yeah. Like, there are some things... I don't know if AM And And the Cowboys in Texas all kind of live in the same thing. They're not bad enough to really assess what they, what they're missing.
1: Yeah. Who's they, the program you want to go zero 12 twelve? You have, have one. Florida. Oh yeah. I mean, I forgot I was talking to a Noel. Florida, I guess it, but it could have been, could have been Clemson, could have been Miami. Oh, well, like, it wouldn't.
0: Yeah, I okay. mean, like if if I had to trade out one or the other, like if they told me. Look, Florida can never go 0 and 12, but Florida State will win national championships every five to nine years. I'd be like, well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do I have to do? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> who, do, who do you need me to make some things go away sure. for? Like, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll. Okay. I'll, well,
1: I'll, apologies to my Aggie family. No, but there are a lot of them. But apologies sorry.
0: to mine that are be watching this and like, how could you yes, let this? Apologies person... to
1: the Catalinas.
0: Yeah. No. So, all right. Um, all right. Well, that's enough for now. We're going to do this again on Wednesday. Okay. But just so you know, I only asked you two piercing questions about your okay. personality. Which the the music one, you weren't even embarrassed at all. So
1: no, no. But now I'm going to go get in the car and I'm going to look it over, and if I need to revise on
0: Wednesday, I'll revise. Yeah. On, on Wednesday, I might ask you if you were at the Eras tour. Which era would you dress up as? <laughs> <laughs> like that might be. Wait, we'll... is that
1: why that's called the Eras tour? Yes. Okay. I don't have any time to lift
0: okay well then you, you, you probably wouldn't even go. okay yeah, yeah save, no. save your money it's and tough tickets on tic- ticket ticket. All right now back to the overall discussion at hand of college football, which okay. is why we're here on the triple option. Um, this season is going to be kind of interesting in that there are some really good teams that are all breaking into new quarterbacks like Georgia, Alabama, you know Ohio State all breaking into quarterbacks. Most people think those are kind of pencilman playoff teams. Michigan, not breaking in a new quarterback. Um, Clemson kind of is with Cade Klubnick, although he played, especially in the bowl game, he played a lot last year. Uh, Florida State uh, on the rise with a a returning quarterback in Jordan Travis. Bo Nix at Oregon, there's returning quarterbacks. How do you feel about teams that are contending for the playoffs, especially Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, will all be breaking in new quarterbacks this year. Um, And teams like Michigan, who have J.J. McCarthy, and maybe the best lines all around that are going to – that are maybe hit the ground running a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, you sold me on Michigan Friday.
0: Mm -hmm. That was your – I believe in
1: your five. Yeah. uh, So you sold me on Michigan because – and yes, it was Blake Corum. Yes, it was J.J. McCarthy. But you talked about having the best offensive and defensive lines, Mm -hmm. arguably, in the country. Yeah. And not being a – I never played football. But everyone tells you that winning starts up front, no matter Mm -hmm. what kind of offense you're running. And so if you're strong in the trenches, you're going to be good. And they were a hair away from getting there last year. And so, I, I mean, I, I don't think you can really think all that wild outside the box when it comes to the playoff, right? Like nobody was sitting here saying last year, yeah, I think TCU is gonna make a run at this mm-hmm. thing. So I'm gonna stay very conventional. I'm gonna say probably Michigan. If I had to actually pick an outside the box team that I thought had a shot, I might say Clemson mm-hmm. um, just because I, Again, Dabo is a little bit of a character sometimes, Mm -hmm. but I think he's a good coach. I think it's a good program. Um, And so, I mean, Michigan's my, like, if I had to put money on something, I'd probably say Michigan. And my outside-the-box that's not at all outside-the-box would probably be Clemson.
0: Yeah. Clemson hiring Garrett Riley is a really interesting thing because Dabo has only gone outside the family – one of the time and that was Brent Venables. Yeah. And that worked out really, really well for really him. Really well. And so if otherwise Dabo likes to people who are Clemson homegrowns and yeah. people on his staff that he grows up. And look, there's there's no wrong way to do it. Right. There's what works and what didn't work. Right. And so the coaches that are more successful over the long period of time, figure out what doesn't work quickly and move on from it. Yeah. It's a strength that I think Dave Aranda is building at Baylor because he's not going to try and expend any mental energy on this thing I thought was gonna work, didn't work. Let me try to figure out why it did. If I figure out why it did, and if I can't fix that, then I'm just gonna move on. Yeah. Um, Dabo's not really been like that, but part of that's just been because everything worked. Yeah. Up until certain he hasn't had to certain points. He hasn't had to. But it does, it, it has changed my opinion of him going forward and that if he's gonna go hire Garrett Riley, which may only be for a year, right. honestly. If if they win the ACC this year, Garrett Riley's going to get a head coaching job. Right. If they're in the playoff, Garrett Riley's getting a head coaching sure. job. Those kind of things are going to happen. But for one year to maybe win that title again and put your stamp on it before the college football world completely reshuffles itself sure, yeah. in a year and you don't really know what the the future holds, yeah. I, it makes me think that Dabo has hidden depths.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think that... I don't think he's ever been, not that he's ever been disrespected, but not really ever been given credit with his ability to make the necessary changes because he hasn't had to. And so I think if he does, I think he has now. And in my opinion, very likely it's going to pay off at a, in a playoff berth. But again, the ACC's no cakewalk.
0: Look, I, I, if you asked me right now to pick who the ACC champion is going to be, and yes, you know, I bleed garnet and gold. Sure. Uh, I would still say Clemson because Mike Norvell hasn't proved to me that he can beat them. Right. Hadn't beat them yet. Now, last year they they actually made headway in that and, like, they fell behind really big and then closed the gap and yeah. had one more series. Maybe that game goes into overtime. But that's not what happened. Right. They didn't win that game. So we'll see, you know, how that goes Moving forward, but I think Clemson could be a really interesting team. Yeah. Because if Cade Klubnik and Garrett Riley are, are really this this match made in heaven. Yeah. The defense will be what the Clemson defense usually is. Yeah. Maybe even better than it was last year because they've got some really good players along the D line. Yeah. Uh, that that could be a really tough team to beat. And look, they and Florida State could split. It just depends on when that split is. Who wins the second game? Yeah. If they play again in the ACC title game.
1: I know this is a, it's a conversation of opinions here, but is. Is Utah a candidate to fill that outside the box? Oh, I think so. I think team? if
0: Cam Rising gets back and and plays like Cam Rising can play, yeah. then I think so. If not, then they might lose a couple games early. Right. That would keep them out of it because yeah. we're only still talking about four teams. Yeah. Here.
1: And Utah's not a team that can that can lose one and claw back in it. Theoretically. Yeah. No, they no, don't really have that
0: cachet. No, because somebody's going to find a, a reason. Right. Even though like they might be tougher than nails and right. You know all that. If if they come, if they lose either the first two to, to Florida and Baylor. Right. Right. Then, then that's going to be in the committee's mind all year long. Yep. So. Yeah. All right. We'll take a break right here. Our last break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about contrast realignment right now, where it stands, and we'll also give an honest review of Swamp Kings, uh, an absolutely <laughs> mediocre documentary. Which we'll that's a little preview right there. gonna go. We're going to get there on. was your review. <laughs> so we're now, done. we'll get into it. This is the Triple Option on 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you
2: need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber, we deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast, just got faster.
0: Welcome back to the Triple Option. Paul Kedley alongside today's co-host, Chris Allman. Tomorrow will be Royden Ogletree from KWTX. And uh, Chris, we are going to wrap up the show giving an honest assessment of the Netflix four-part documentary, Swamp Kings, which I will just say, Johnny Manziel got one part, Swamp Kings got four. And yeah. I feel a little short-changed on Johnny and long changed tall changed yeah on on swamp king yeah so
1: where do you want to start on this do you want to we'll,
0: talk we're going to talk about realignment first but okay. I just wanted okay. to kind of tease that coming up gotcha. here in the last segment of the triple option uh, for the first the premier show and if you're watching us right now I appreciate you tuning in live and if you're watching us later I appreciate that as well carve out some time in your yeah. life and watch and if you went to texas a and I'm sorry yeah. for insulting you or <laughs> You're, but you're not really. I'm
1: not. You're, and it you're, wasn't an, in,
0: it was an insult. It was, you know, look, you, you said I hope you have pain in your life. Yeah. And the the justification behind that pain is is really petty. Yeah, super petty. <laughs> yeah. It is. That's what sports are. Sports are the place you can go to be petty. Yeah. It's the only acceptable world where pettiness is allowed.
1: Yes. I want hurt, not harm. Is that yeah, fair? Yeah. Exactly. There you yeah,
0: go. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So college realignment, shuffled the deck. Right now. We are awaiting what's going to happen with the ACC and reports from Nicole Auerbach, Pete Thamel. We had Nicole on the show last week. I suggest you go back and watch that interview. She did a great job of kind of assessing where the ACC is as opposed to in place of adding these schools, um, you know, why there's opposition to it. The opposition is kind of obvious is that there are schools that maybe aren't emotionally in it for the long haul with the ACC and don't, don't want to upset the apple cart right or even adding them they're not going to get the money that they want and won't right but as that thirty thousand foot view college football fan cal and stanford smu kind of almost makes sense to me when you're adding a team because the ACC would be doing essentially what the big 12 did yeah and adding a school you know from a major market that that was putting resources behind something but cal and stanford joining the acc is is a marriage of convenience and convenience in its loosest term yeah how do you feel about that as a college football fan
1: i i don't i don't like it at all yeah. and i but i can't tell if i don't like it for legitimate reasons or mm-hmm. i just don't like that it's changing mm-hmm. because i liked the regional nature of college football mm-hmm. you know it was it's how it was when i was younger it's how i grew up i liked I mean, shoot, Paul, I liked Rice and Baylor, yeah. you know, in 1992. Like, I liked those games. And so this, like, made-for-TV pseudo-professional football league that exists, it doesn't appeal to me. And I don't, I don't think that's the intent. I don't yeah. think that the powers that be are thinking about a guy like me, right? They're thinking about eyeballs on the TV. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a guy like – there's nothing about SC Michigan in the regular season – that appeals to me. Yeah. I wanna see them play in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, Once a year, once every five years. I don't wanna see conference games like that. And so I get some of, I, now I like a lot of this movement for basketball reasons. Mm. As a basketball fan, I really yeah. like the teams that we're gonna see here locally. I like some of those changes. But I think for average college football fan, it has sucked the joy out of college football. Now, when they kick it off, It's still really fun to watch. When you're there live, the experience is still phenomenal. That's not going to change. And people are not going to stop watching. But it doesn't make sense. And I don't think anybody cares that I don't think it makes
0: sense. But it is weird that the only thing we used to complain about as fans was the postseason didn't make any sense. Every other sport that makes far less money has this really ornate postseason. Right. Basketball does. Right. Baseball does. Softball does. Yes. All sports that make even basketball makes a lot of money on the yes. tournament. But still, overall, these decisions are made by football because football makes more money. So football makes more money and had a less reasonable postseason format. Right. And now we're getting to that. And but we have so like there's I never thought I would know this much about media deals. I never thought it would be one of those things where I'd have to to dive down into even being in the media and like learn about. Yeah. Because I think maybe we're all operating under the like assumption that everybody sees college football as well, it's this region and this region and this region and this region. And then at the end of the year, they'll play each other in, in a postseason kind of game, right. whether it's a bowl game or yeah something different. And then it was just like, well, no, if we what if we you know, this bowl game that was these two teams got a lot of ratings. What if we could make it so they played every year? Yes. You know, that to me is where I I they it's hard to follow in that
1: I agree. I, I compare it to interleague play. Yeah. I like the old National League teams play National League teams, American League teams play American League teams, and you see those guys on the field together twice a year, All-Star game and World Series. Yeah. The, the novelty, for lack of a better term, is, I think, what makes it great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want to see an interdivision game. Well,
0: and, and like interleague played the first way they did it, which was like it was two week, two right. weeks of the year, right? Where you played a couple of them. I liked that. That was okay. that, that was a little bit, especially when they did the unbalanced schedule. You get really tired of watching the same teams over and over again. Right. So, like that, that I don't mind. I just this this way of, like you said, all yes, it's 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 like all sprinkles and no ice cream. Sometimes when you get that, it's
1: I think it's made college football way too sterile. So I was studying up, because I'm a nerd, on the Holy War, the BYU-Utah, yeah. not the actual Holy War, but the yeah. BYU-Utah rivalry. Yeah. And that is a, if you read about some of the instances of player and fan interactions, that is a heated rivalry. There is some yeah. genuine distaste. And now those two teams are going to stay in a conference together, obviously, but you're but putting- But only kind of through a stroke of luck. Right. So you're putting, you're, you're removing, like, look, I get it. I'm sure Bedlam- has had some really tasteless, classless acts that we don't condone yeah. as human beings. But isn't that what makes college football awesome and yeah. stuff like that? And we're losing stuff like that, and that's the draw for someone like me. I don't, I don't care that much about the laundry on the field. I don't. I'm not in all of again these powerhouses playing every single year. I want the contempt that is built up from playing each other every single year. I would just have preferred it stay the way it was, but yeah. I'm an old person. So. Well, look,
0: I, and I, I'll just give people an example. They tried to make Colorado and Oregon a rivalry the whole time. Yeah, not a rivalry. The whole time. And Colorado and Oregon were both like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Eh, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, we want to beat them, but you know, I'm, I'm not going to wake up in the morning going, Colorado. Yeah. You know, like you're just not going to do that. So yeah. that's what I wonder is going to happen maybe a lot more than just Colorado and Oregon. Right. It's going to happen all over the place now where you're going to try to make Stanford and Wake Forest a rival. And Sanford people and Wake Forest people are like, oh, we that's who we play on November 9th? Yeah. Okay, good. There's no familiarity, right? Familiarity breeds contempt.
1: Yeah. And there's none. There's yeah. these people are gonna be first it's and gonna it be, well, this years. is neat. It takes years. Years to build that. And at first years. it's like, well, this is cool. Here's here's a, uh, you know, here is Wake Forest in Palo Alto. This is neat. We've never seen this, but you need a reason to hate them. Yeah, you know, I want there to be some hate. Like I just yeah, yeah. There it hates the other SEC teams. I yeah. want that to be. College football. I want it to permeate college football.
0: All right. Speaking of SEC teams.
1: Speaking of teams you hate.
0: Yeah. I And look, I've not, I talked about a little bit on the main show on 365 Sports, but I thought this would be a good attempt to ping pong back and forth Yeah. on Swamp Kings, the documentary. Okay. And I will say this right off the bat. I'm very biased. Tim Tebow went really? 4-0 no. against Florida State. Let me compose myself. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you were biased. 4-0 against Florida State. So I already, you know, I have that. Sure. Over my head. But I was very intrigued by the U, which is one of the best sports documentaries it's I've so ever good. seen. It's so it's well done. objectively good. Yes. This was trying to be that. Except what it didn't do was assess, uh, honestly assess everything that went on there during that time. Right. Which was really short. Right. I mean, it was five years of Urban Meyer, five, six years that he was there. It was quick. Yeah.
1: I, so I will actually, I had issues with, I don't think it was trying to be the U, because the guy that made the U was Billy Corbin, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, yeah. who was a huge University of Miami fan. Yeah. And he just laid out, this is how this team of outlaws mm-hmm. was, and I love them. The people that made Swamp Kings, I believe it was made by an Australian production company. They don't know anything about American football. They don't know anything mm-hmm. about yeah. Urban Meyer. And clearly what they did was make a trade. They yeah. said, we will make this documentary in exchange. We'll make it kind of the way you want in exchange for access. Yeah. And so I thought it was better than the Manziel documentary, mm-hmm. which was dramatically lacking in a lot of information. I just wanted more in the Manziel doc. With this one, there was plenty of information. They just left out some really salient details to those teams and some really, like, important players to that era, Mm -hmm. namely Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. Um, So this one was just, it wasn't fluff. I didn't hate watching it.
0: No, that's the thing. But it was inaccurate. Yeah, I was watching it, like, waiting for something, and there were a couple parts, well, and there was a a tragedy. Urban Meyer kicked a player off the team. Right. He eventually got deep into drugs and OD'd and died. Yes. And Urban Meyer blames himself for that. And he said, never again. But he kicked Cam Newton off the team for stealing a laptop. Right, Cam Newton turned out fine. Yeah. Depending on how you feel about guys wearing bonnets, like, <laughs> turned out fine. <laughs> if, but, you're, if you're pro bonnet. Yeah, if you're pro you're bonnet. No, but I mean, guy. Cam Newton, everything's gone pretty well for him. You know? And so... Uh, I think this thing was made for
1: people that don't know anything about Urban Meyer and they don't know anything about that era of the University of Florida. Because then they could just flat tell you things that weren't true. Every documentary has a little bit of fluff to it, right? Every documentary has a little bit of revisionist history. But by and large, there are at least shreds of truth. And this particular thing that we were watching, Swamp Kings, it felt like they're—I don't want to say they were telling lies, but I feel like the revisionist history was lacking some of the really important details to the thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I don't—I mean, I don't know Urban Meyer. I've never met him. I don't trust him. I don't trust anything he says.
0: No, you know, not a not a lick. Well, I mean, like it left out. It left out like they mentioned Aaron Hernandez, and the two things they said about him were like kind of complimentary. And, like, Tim Tebow took a blame for it, and then they mentioned the recruiting class he was in, like, oh, he was there. Yeah. And then they don't even mention, I mean, he's notorious. Yeah. You know? And there were a lot of other bad things that happened. Chris Rainey, who had one of the more notorious things, that's in the documentary. Yeah. And Urban Meyer is just talking about how much he loved watching, him watching cartoons with his yeah. son. And you're like, well, you left out the part where he threatened to murder his girlfriend. Yeah. And, look, I'm, I'm hoping that Chris Rainey has seen the light and has reformed himself into a, you know, yeah a better person but like leaving that out of the documentary when he's in it yeah he's actually in it yeah then it just takes out context of everything that went on and I think it's an Urban Meyer rehab piece because he went out so bad in Jacksonville oh for sure it's a thousand thousand percent an Urban Meyer rehab so bad so he might try to get that that next big job that comes open somewhere which might wind up being back in Florida yeah I mean you know And although I do think there's some bad blood with the way he left there and then went to Ohio state and promptly won there. Yeah. And then Florida's not recovered from his, his, his and Tebow's not simultaneous, but near simultaneous departure.
1: Yeah. I think, I think it would probably be easy. There may be a camp of people in the world that really don't like Tim Tebow, right? They may think he's just, they may think he's a fraud. They may think he's a little too saccharine for them. I'm kind of indifferent on Tebow. I thought he was a really good player. I didn't, he was a little too much for me in the doc. He was like whisper talking. Everything he said was mm-hmm. like, he was like, "You you don't know what it means, what it is to give your whole life to something." I was like, "Well, some of us do. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. why are you whispering? Like, speak yeah. up." So I thought he was even a little bit much in the documentary, but at least like it painted a a picture of a little bit of his teammates saying like, "Yeah, we got a little tired of the Tebow love," mm-hmm. and he doesn't shy from it, right? Yeah. The the first shot of Tim Tebow, he's not wearing a shirt, yeah. right? Like it's. It's a very Tim Tebow, rific
0: documentary. Yeah, I I have to kind of hold back my opinions on him, as you know how I feel. Yeah, uh, for <laughs> sure. because again, it's biased and it's probably not right. I did like I was very interested in his recruitment and everything that yeah. happened because I didn't. I thought the most interesting part of the documentary was how desperate Urban Meyer was for Tim Tebow. Yeah, like that was. I didn't I didn't think he recruited that way. Yeah, where it was, but it, where he was just pulling out all the stops and making sure that Tim Tebow knew that he was the quarterback. I feel really bad for Chris Leak, who was really good. Who was good. He just wasn't what Meyer wanted. And he still won the title with Chris Leak. Yeah. I thought I
1: kind of kept waiting for Chris Leak yeah. because he was a really integral part of that. Like there's a lot of ways you could have gone. He was a really good player. He, so he couldn't go get you a fourth and one. Like they almost like the way the thing was told, it was like, well, Leak couldn't get us the fourth and one against, you know, Ole Miss. Well, yeah. It was so Tebow we went to with Tebow.
0: Superman. I get it. But like,
1: yeah, you know, I, I, I thought, I stood, I don't think they talked enough about Percy Harvin, both in like how his wheels were off a little bit, but also just how good, yeah, Percy Harvin was. And so, for people like you and me who know that stuff, we watch it cynically, and but we're right. Like we're like, man, they're leaving out so much stuff. You know, in, including but not limited to the guy that was a killer. Yeah. But the Pouncy twins, no, barely any mention of the Pouncy twins.
0: You know what it felt like? It felt like. Going to see a movie of a book I've read. Okay. And then they leave out one of the best parts yeah. of the book. And you're like, well, that would have been yeah. really cool to see in the movie. Yeah. You know, and the movie, like in the movie doesn't work. And you're like, well, they left out this middle part that explains all of it. Yeah. And you're like, oh well, they could have
1: I think it I think it keeps with Netflix's kind of hit or miss record with yeah. their sports content. I haven't seen the Mantel Teo, uh, untold, but like. Drive to Survive, Full Swing. That stuff that they create is yeah. really, really good. The Manziel documentary was bad. Like, it was just bad from start to finish. It was too short, left too much out. Swamp Kings was four hours of like, I watched it, I was interested. But again, a little bit of my interest was pointing out, well, that's wrong and that's yeah. wrong. And well, you okay. missed by, something here. By
0: comparison, Manti Teo's documentary, I know you haven't seen it. I haven't. He had to go through all of this again, which was horribly traumatic for this poor guy. Yeah. And then you had to see all the things that, were said about him in the media yeah. that were awful. And then Urban Meyer managed to take all that stuff out. Yeah. So it just makes me have much more of a high opinion of Manti Teo. Yeah. Because he was willing to go through all this pain again. Yeah. And Urban Meyer really only wanted to tell you about the good stuff. Although he was pretty honest about that 2009 year where they were just loaded in a juggernaut yeah. and undefeated going to face Alabama, which was essentially, that was the, hello Nick Saban. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that was their introduction. To the world. Yeah. But he had pressed so hard on those guys because he wasn't enjoying it and then they weren't enjoying it. So, I, almost,
1: I almost feel like Meyer should have leaned in to the, the Michael Jordan last dance of yeah. like, yeah, this is who I am. You know, yeah. I feel like at least we wouldn't be saying that the doc was showed he was a fraud. If he just leaned in and was like, Yeah, I'm an a-hole. Yeah. Like a little bit more, it might be different, but it was just
0: I, it was Meyer propaganda. It was unfortunate. Well, Chris, thanks so much for Thank you. being here for the premiere episode. I wouldn't have picked anyone else. Yeah, you bring out your big guns for your first <laughs> one, for sure. <laughs> to, to help me through this first episode uh, here on the Triple Option. Uh, available, everything will be up on YouTube later, so you can share it with your friends and your family. Yeah, say, they're dying to see me talk about sports some more. I've made it. <laughs> and so I finally, I'm here on YouTube with so few other people. <laughs> It's a very small platform that most people don't have access yes. to. <laughs> really cutting edge technology. <laughs> yeah. YouTube. YouTube. Uh, you're finally there, but you'll be back on Wednesday this week. I will. Yeah. So what are we talking about? Do we know yet? No, we'll figure it out. Okay. We'll figure it out. Okay. I've got, i I got to worry about Tuesday before you get to Wednesday. I'm gonna watch that
1: Mantel Teo doc. I'll give you a review on that on Wednesday. Yeah.
0: You're gonna. It's you're gonna like, feel genuinely awful for him. Oh, yeah. It's like one of those things where I already do. Yeah. I feel just, bad for the guy. But like, if you ever made a joke about poor mantai, you're and gonna be like, Yeah, I did. I made a lot of them. And some of them he kind of earned. Like, the, the one thing I'll tell you about it is like... <laughs> You're going to
1: retell the okay, joke. Okay. First it was, I am um, feel sorry for him. Now it's, let me retell the
0: joke. I'll tell, look, I will say that. Look, you don't have a girlfriend if you've not seen her. That's fair. Like, you don't have a girlfriend. Now, That's fair. If you want to say my friend is, that I'm close with is having problems, oh, you get it. But <laughs> he brought a little bit of this on himself. But I still feel bad because it was... I mean, it was an ornate scheme by this one person who perpetrated it having to
1: relive all that again poor guy
0: yeah really tough and he went through it but urban you know nobody has any
1: sympathy for urban
0: no no didn't they yeah didn't want to hear any of that all right we will be back i'll be back on uh, youtube in an hour for 365 sports main show with david and craig uh so we got a big show today um hoping to get tanner mordecai uh wisconsin quarterback on the show today we're supposed to record something earlier he had to go you know be the wisconsin quarterback so we'll see uh what time he's going to be on uh, this week uh with us and of course he's from right here in river city in waco that's right chris thanks a lot thanks to jack mckenzie and garrett ross we're back in tomorrow at one o'clock see you then everybody this is 365 sports powered by sikkim 365.com welcome to the triple option here's your host paul catalina